0: Hey guys, what's up? It's week 198, and first I want to start this out with a correction. I made kind of a, like I was just last week, I was just talking about having too many movies and I'm missing out on details and stuff and kind of screwing up, and that's exactly what I did. For the Plague Town review, I mentioned that the guy who directed the documentary was Howard Berger. I confused this Howard Berger with the guy from KB, formerly KB Effects. It actually is not. It's another guy who works in the industry um, named Howard S. Berger, so sorry for the confusion. Um, it's actually... Actually, not the same Howard Berger. I went ahead and cut that little seven-second clip where I mentioned that out of the last video. It's just assumed because the industry. I don't know what I was thinking. I just saw the name. I didn't. I didn't think to dig deeper into it. I apologize for that. Also, keep a uh, keep a lookout for the 22 shots of moods and horror commentary we did for the faculty. It was a Patreon thing. It was pretty fun. Me, JP, and Jeremy did it. And then also uh, the Forgotten Jolly box set. We're continuing into box two. Me and Duncan McGleish over on the podcast under the stairs now. Work uh, podcast, so look for that. But we're gonna hop into the first review, and it's from Synapse Films. And this is one by Josh Becker, and this is called Running Time, uh, starring everybody's favorite cult guy, uh, Bruce Campbell. Okay, you guys know Josh Becker because he did the 1985 movie Thou Shalt Not Kill, except um, which is a really wild, crazy movie that stars Sam Raimi and a bunch of other familiar faces. Um, from that kind of, I'm not even so familiar, but basically from that kind of Sam Raimi camp early. You'll see Scott Spiegel and people like that. So I, I've always enjoyed that movie. And I was always curious to see this one or more from Josh Becker. I know he's still working to this day. But okay, so this stars Bruce Campbell. Um, who else is in here? Uh oh, I think it's Jeremy uh, something. But the, the, Jeremy Roberts. And this guy is in um, People Under the Stairs. You'll recognize him right away. He's a slew of other things. Um, Art LaFleur is in here. And uh, kind of the gimmick on this one is it's kind of like Hitchcock's rope, where it's all done to look like one continuous shot. It's also shot in black and white. Um, and honestly, I would have guessed this was a little earlier than '97, but I guess with like, there's a lot of crime films being made there, and this is definitely kind of in that caliber. But Bruce Campbell is uh, kind of a he's an ex-con he just gets released from prison and the first day out they're planning a heist to rob um basically the right directly from the warden who let him out but there's this really great moment in the very beginning when art lafleur and bruce campbell are going back and forth and it's just some real good performance here art lafleur is actually kind of an underrated character actor he's in a slew of things like zone troopers he's in the remake of the blob he's in william Freakin's rampage the guy's in dozens of movies you recognize him right away but their interaction's great but i i was really impressed I about 10 minutes in I was like is this all in one shot I I knew about the film but I kind of like to go in a little bit blind in a lot of these movies I was kind of very excited and it kept this real this this energy throughout the first two-thirds of the movie i do think that the energy slides down just a little bit but the first two-thirds are actually pretty pretty uh interesting and i think they're well done i think the whole movie's well done um it, it is 1997 so um they do talk like criminals so be warned uh basically the job is of four people and it is comedic it's only in basically what's happening it's not really a comedy but there's some comedic beats um especially interactions between jeremy and bruce campbell um and of course he's just uh kind of paired up with a bunch of idiots except him and buzz uh but yeah ends up that they try to kind of crack this safe and everything goes everything you can possibly think of goes wrong You can actually start to feel the frustration, and the way it's done, like I said, it's all in one take, so it never, like, breaks the energy. There's literally moments of suspense where there's, like, shootouts and there's special effects. It's not, like, super elaborate special effects, but when they're all in one shot and you know you can't take, cut, or screw up, um, it's pretty kind of uh, intense and very impressive. Like I said, I imagine they're hiding cuts here and there, but I don't think there's that many cuts well it doesn't seem to be that many cuts in the film but uh there is a couple interviews one with an uh, older A with josh becker and bruce campbell and they're kind of enjoying uh screwing around with the crowd and having fun and then there's a more modern interview with bruce campbell which i've always uh enjoy seeing those um the movie looks pretty good and sounds good it is a low budget movie in black and white so i, I did think it looked really solid there's some lines in here that made me laugh out loud um just Bruce Campbell in general cracks me up when he's leaving the prison as some, some of the best stuff. But uh, there's also a commentary by Becker on here. I, I recommend checking this one out, especially if you like Val Shall Not Kill. This is, it's a lot different, but it does have, I feel like uh, the whole Rami camp is kind of into the gags and seeing what they can get away with and and do things innovative and stuff. And they definitely always do that. They always pull off things that you really don't think they should be able to pull off. But running time, good stuff um, in real time. Um, and there's just it goes into this funny gag with the watch. But uh, check it out. I enjoyed it. There's also a love story that's squeezed in here too. Um, But yeah, just like it's weird. They got all this stuff and remember it's supposed to be a one take. So it feels like uh, it keeps the energy up. So check it out. Okay, before everyone. So if you're coming here just to bitch at me for the Serbian film review. That Serbian film is even in here. or I'm a pervert or a pedophile or whatever. Just don't waste your fucking time. Um, Give it a thumbs down um, and just leave. Okay, because I'm going to talk about the new on earth release of Serbian film. Um, and I know a lot of this is a very controversial film and nobody can even get past the controversy to talk about the movie itself. They either love it because it's so extreme or they hate it because it's subject matter and it's so extreme and all that kind of stuff. So you got so many people just hating it or loving it just based on what it stands for or what they think it stands for. Um, This movie, I remember, when my first review I did, I probably, 10 years ago, I was just kind of, like, just talking about the kind of extremity of it, you know what I mean? Just because when it came out, it was kind of a shocking thing, to be honest. It was, I would, I know people like, gotta get mad at this comparison, but it was essentially the generation's Cannibal Holocaust. I, For me, at least. Just the stuff you heard about Cannibal Holocaust, the um, the controversy and stuff. Now, maybe it wasn't as controversial. Um, and I do think that Serbian film will go down in history as one of the most extreme films ever made. Um, so, I watch a lot of... I did, or I used to watch a lot of extreme. I still do, here and there. The ones that look interesting. Extreme films. Um, you know, stuff. Uh, and I, I used to be watch all those all the time and and during this time there were so many of them I was even in a few of them so it was something that I we a lot of the youtubers kind of gravitated towards just checking out these extreme films and I will say this uh, most of the extreme films aren't that well made. They don't have a budget. They don't look slick. So when Serbian film came out, my jaw hit the ground when I heard that this movie was one of the craziest extreme movies ever. And it looked so polished. It, it was shot, I think it was um, shot on a digital, um, was it? Uh, made? To, it was a new HD camera. Uh, so they kind of could make it look a little bit like film. But when I saw that, that probably uh, just it really surprised me that we had this polished movie. And when the subject matter started to happen, I was shocked that somebody paid for it and I always will be shocked that this movie somebody paid for, and I believe the director actually produced it and financed a lot of this himself, so that explains some of it, but, I'm gonna say this right now. This is a well-made, well-acted um, film. The script unfolds very, very well. Um, it's just good storytelling. I know the subject matter is disgusting. Some people will say it's just an exploitation movie. Other people get annoyed at the points that some, that, that that the director explains this, and the producer and all these people explain that the movie is basically the real Serbian experience. That's you know you're you're screwed from life. You're screwed for everything. Um, but it, it's a, it's, it, the whole movie at the end of it, it, it is very shocking and it's so shocking that it creates these, I don't, I'm gonna sound very sick for saying this, but it's almost like um, two kind of ways you look at it. You're appalled. You're so shocked at certain things, but then at the same time, it go, it crosses that line to the point where it's so insane that you're like, I can't believe I'm watching this. And you start to kind of see some humor in the extremity. And I, I it's not like I'm enjoying it. Maybe it's an uncomfortable laughter. I'm not 100% sure. But the plot of Serbian film is, a, is as follows. Basically, it's a struggling ex-porn star who was pretty much the best of the game at his time. Um, he was he, He's married now with a kid and he's having trouble providing for them. An old friend contacts him and uh, ask if he wants to be part of this kind of underground film by this art director who looks like Andre Orlowski, and he's clearly kind of insane. He hesitates, but he ends up getting involved anyways because his family really needs the money. There's some other side characters involved, like I said, the uh, porn actress who helps him get involved, his brother is kind of, he's a cop, so he kind of scopes out a little bit of the situation. And there's a bunch of goons that are kind of following around this director. And he's just kind of always being like philosophical and ridiculous and all this kind of stuff. But uh, fairly quickly, um, Milos, who is the porn star, knows something's wrong because he gets on set. And he also learns a bit about this director that he worked with Child, he was a child psychiatrist. So all that kind of stuff ties to it and he starts to kind of bring in this young girl and he's painting a story and they don't know anything and they have like earpiece uh, audio equipment in their ears to tell them what to do but um, the movie crosses a lot of boundaries and you know the subject matter like I said it doesn't really it's not very hard for people to figure out what kind of stuff is going to be in here now remember it's all fake no one was actually hurt during this no one was actually exposed to um, child pornography or anything like that and think about that kind of stuff when people come down so Hard on this movie all the time when no one was actually hurt. I don't see that this movie is ever condoning or glorifying child pedophilia. It's not. It's you never you're disgusted throughout the entire movie and even Milos he, he he is so disgusted by the whole situation he goes into a rage and i don't want to say this movie is not for everybody this is an extreme film this is a movie that it's right on the box you know it's not made for you and stuff like that and i'm against censorship in general i know uh the only thing i really am bothered by is when people are being really hurt on film um real death stuff i don't particularly care for either that kind of stuff or real animal killings it's unpleasant as hell but I don't like when people are really getting hurt and like stuff like the bunny game always seem really kind of uh, over the top for me in certain ways. But like I said, this movie is such a well made film with great special effects and the storytelling is excellent and I actually was um, invested in all the characters, even the bad ones I had to see what happened to them and at the end of the film it almost goes into this ridiculous re- the reveal. Um, so I'm going to spoil a little bit, but I'll talk about the special features here. There's two commentaries, one with the director and Stephen Biro from Honor Earth Films. Uh, that one I was pretty interesting. Um, and then there's also a Q&A that was about 30 minutes, 28 minutes with the American audience. And I like this one a lot because people started to ask questions and things and, and what inspired the director. And that's when he kind of breaks down and says, you know, he's not inspired by extreme films. He's not ins- inspired by, like, a lot of the nasty extreme movies that were inspired by better movies than that and then became great movies because you know here's a weird thing that I always say like and I don't want anybody to take this the wrong way Ed Wood never inspired to be who he was. He looked up to, like, Orson Welles and great, huge directors. So it gets really weird when you have a lot of independent directors looking up to other independent directors because then they are aspiring to be as good as Ed Wood, and then their movies end up really bad because, you know what I'm saying, like, Ed Wood's movies ended up having a charm to him because he aspired to be something else. Um, this director, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with aspiring to be Last House and Left because I think those movies are masterpieces, of course, and they're- but people aspired aspire to be, um, some of the worst movies ever made because that's what inspired them. And that, that's, that's always going to be like that because, you know, it is what it is. And sometimes those movies aren't for me because they, you know, it, it's just, you it, It's it's a weird way to explain it. But this director was inspired. These filmmakers were inspired by 70s American films. And he names directors like, uh, of course, some regulars like John Carpenter. But he mentions Walter Hill and Clint Eastwood and and Cronenberg. So it's a mixture. He was inspired by that nihilistic 70s uh, American cinema. So I can understand where this movie's more so an extreme film, but it also has these technical aspects that are a little bit above that kind of, you know, uh, the typical extreme films, like I said, so. Um, and these are uh, professionals in Serbia. The actual one of the actresses in here plays the voice of um, Ilsa in uh, Frozen for Serbia. She sings the song in the Serbian version, which is my understanding, which is completely insane. So we're talking next level here. And this does kind of happen, too. In a movie that's foreign, will be said, you know, this is an extreme film in the United States. Um, and a lot of films, you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's lumped in with a lot of the extreme stuff in here. While, like, your York movies like Necromantic were always lumped in with the extreme cinema in America where York Buccarette looks at himself as more of an art director from my understanding than an extreme director although his subject matter has extremity in it so it's a very strange kind of slippery slope but also some other features like I said there's a commentary with the movie crip guys Adam Green and Joe Lynch I did not get a chance to listen to that one but I used to listen to their show and I, I will definitely listen to it later down the line um and there's an also an older Q&A in here where they kind of break down some things which I thought was interesting and there's a look at the uh, uh Serbian film expedition, um, ex ex uh, expedition. Yeah, is that it? Yeah, sorry, for some reason that word's tongue tying me right now. I had a brain fart. I've been working a lot this week. Sorry. Um, exhibit, exhibit. Sorry. Yeah, maybe it is an exposition. It's exhi- exhibit. Whatever. Sorry, but uh, yeah, where you get to see like the the baby and everything like that. But uh, the so I'm gonna break it out in some spoilers here. Um, like I said, um, the very end of this movie. It becomes a revenge film. And um, the revenge that the characters get is, is very cathartic, but at the end of the movie, there is really no catharsis. Everybody's ruined, and it becomes a bigger picture of what actually happened. That even the director and all the helpers were involved were pawns in this game, you know? Um, it's just that somebody up above, you know, can just move whatever you know it's just there, it's somebody with a lot of power and a lot of money controlling the strings so pulling the strings so you're you're nothing um but there's just lots like i said disturbing things there's two big scenes in here the very end of course and uh the the newborn porn scene um like i said uh the special effects are great and it it gets into this point where it hits the over the topness where there's a character with these sunglasses just a monster character the entire movie is like kind of like the the head forcer the big guy the enforcer and his glasses are knocked off and the character is on this sex drug and he has a massive erection because he's a porn star a massive erection and um it's just the kind of thing that you're like wouldn't it be crazy if this happened and this is the only movie that where that stuff does happen like what if this happened when the glasses come off you see he has one eye and there's a hole there what would you expect and it happens it's like it literally happens like it's stuff that you really don't expect to happen. I mean, like, you think at, at certain points it will, but it's just a next next-level insanity in this thing. But I know people have seen this. I know people have talked about this to death. But I'm a fan. And I am not ashamed to say I'm a fan. I understand the subject matter is not for everybody. And if the subject matter was different, it was made this well, maybe it wouldn't have the infamy it does. It would still be a well-made movie. I'm not going to say anything different about that. But honestly, when we're coming to, uh, like, uh, compared to extreme movies that came out at the time, the Ice, Spin on your Grave remake, which I think has no real, I think it's kind of crappy movie um, in comparison to something like this. or These movies, you know... This one's groundbreaking, I think, in what it is. It, and I, I maybe groundbreaking's not the word. It is... It, it's... It, it fucks with you. And uh, when you're looking at that, I can't think of a better place for this to be uh, than the On Earth label. And I'm so glad they released it on cut, Because what's the fucking point, you know, if it's cut? As long as there's no real child pornography in it. Or anything where somebody's actually getting hurt or messed up or anything like that. But literally, I just watched uh, a Forgotten Jolly movie um, called My Dear Killer. And there's like a 12-year-old girl walking around naked. And that's more, and, and it's so weird. And sweet movie and stuff like that. Sweet movie, My Dear Killer, um, Don't Torture a Duckling has an iffy scene, but it's edited where, you know, they didn't see it. But stuff like My Dear Killer, I was kind of shocked. I was like, wow, that that's probably worse than anything in Serbian film. <laughs> Technically, on camera it is. But uh, the soundtrack in here, it it bangs. It's like, it's really super memorable. Um, And there's a lot of singers in this movie. Lots of crazy things that happen. And the death toll is high. uh, Very high. Um, I like the performances of him and his brother and his wife. And and everybody's just very good in it. And the director too. Um, Great film great release, and I know there's a documentary coming out. There was a sneak peek look at that, which I'm very excited to check out. Um, it looks like it's a lot went into it, a lot of interviews and everything like that. Um, and there is, I think, an extended cut of this possibly coming out. I'm not 100% sure, but Earth Films has been doing uh, really good work lately. Um, last year they had some good ones like A Record of Sweet Murder and Purgatory Road. They um, recently put out Untold Story, which was a huge get on Unearthed Classics line, which I love. They put out Serbian Film, and then they have stuff like 29 needles coming out which i hear is absolutely insane and it's an extreme film that does interest me because it does look unique and um it actually i'm scared to watch it which doesn't typically happen but i'm very scared to watch it because i like extreme films when they're well made i don't like the extremity for extremity i just don't know what i'm getting into with 29 needles but uh really recommend serbian film great job over at on films and i'm super happy that it's got a nice release finally for once uh, not a cardboard sleeve and a plastic uh, little cd case the fuck out of here for that. You know what I mean? A real addition here. So yeah, Serbian film. Check it out if you want to. If not, and run away very far. Okay, I'm definitely uh, earning my pervert card this week um, with all the stuff on here. You know what? I think this week they're probably going to put me on the FBI's most wanted list. Um, so we have a Nakatsu Erotic Films collection here. We have Nun Story, Frustration in Black, a.k.a. also known as Sister Mary. That's why sometimes these movies, a lot of these foreign films, have like three or four titles, and American films. So, okay, this one is, I'll go with Sister Mary. Uh, Maria, or is it Sister Mary? Let's go Nun Story, uh, Frustration in Black. So this is an early 80s one. Um... Uh, Japanese nun sploitation film. I'm mostly familiar with the Mexican and Spanish and Italian nun sploitation movies, so I never actually dived into the any of the Japanese ones, although I know there's a couple big. School of the Holy Beast is a very popular one. So um, we have this poor girl who joins a monastery. Um, the picture quality on this one is not great, even in comparison to a lot of the other Nakatsu relic Films collections. I imagine the elements weren't as well preserved or something like that, but um, she is basically in this monastery. And pretty soon she knows that there's some corrupt stuff going on. Um, This one, it it takes like 30 minutes before anything. eh, Well, there's some like scandals happening and we see an abortion and stuff, but the main plot is that she is raped due to uh, one of the other nuns and, and she's like an innocent, sweet girl. She's never had any of those kind of things. And the part, the rape is really awful and weird. And you don't really even, the, the way they show the characters, you don't really expect them to be rapist. And then they turn out to be rapist. And it's just a really ugly scene in a field. But uh, it ends up that she ends up getting pregnant and there's all sorts of horrible things happening, but the scandal kind of comes through and we realize that the nuns and the priest in there are corrupt. And it's one of these movies where like, you feel like almost every man in the movie is a pile of trash. Any, any, like and i have to point this out too that there is a woman who is raped in a nuns in a in a nun outfit twice is it what would you call that a habit the habits thing goes on the head i don't know what the entire outfit is called when a nun wears the robe and the habit never that kind of stuff but there's a woman who is a nun who is raped twice in one movie in like 20 minutes and it's just one of these things where like you're like so grody so grody so grody and i couldn't help but think of miss 45 which follows the story of a deaf mute woman who. Who is raped in one day and decides to go crazy. And the end showdown is her dressed as a nun on a Halloween party with a gun with a 45. So I feel like maybe, I don't know if a Belfer ever saw this movie. Maybe not likely. I think this one actually might be after that, but there is definitely some comparisons, but, um, Yeah, this one, I thought the ending actually ended up pretty decent and I had some good imagery, some, you know, the seed side stuff. But this one is, I don't want to be negative. Not, not, it's not mostly forgettable. It's just not the best of these ones I've seen so far. And really the next one I'm going to talk about, I shines it so much that um, I, I was like, this one's okay for what it is, you know, um, then after I watched the next one, I was like, I almost completely forgot about, um, nun story <laughs> frustration of black, but I did enjoy it. Um, and it was interesting to see a Japanese non exploitation movie. Oh boy, man, this, this one is so insane. It is white Rose campus. Um, this is not even the full title. The full title is white Rose campus. Then everybody got raped. When I looked that up, I was like, Oh, I was like, And then I started watching the movie, I was like, no shit, everybody gets raped. I could not believe, this is the trashiest thing I've seen in in a very long time. This might be the trashiest movie I've ever seen. But I started to have kind of like, uh, halfway through it, I was like, this has got to be a statement. This has really got to be a statement. It's almost got to be like a a dark comedic statement that men are perverts. It has to be. Or it is the most um, irrehensible, (laughs) irrehensible movie I've ever seen. It has to be. Okay, so um, basically what we have here is these uh, these schoolgirls are going on this trip. It's all planned out. There's like 40 girls on a school bus, a driver, and a teacher. She's explaining, we're going to get here. We're going to do this. Everything's pretty planned. They stop at this bus station or this the fuel up, this rest stop or whatever, and there's two perverts kind of scoping out the place, and they're looking, and they say, man, where's our third guy? We need a third guy. And they're super excitable and weird, and they're up to no good. And, uh, so yeah. And then we see this perverted guy who works there as a janitor. It's like stereotypical. Yes, he's a janitor. He's running around and he's just, he's masturbating in the bathroom stall with tampons in his mouth from the garbage. And I was like, what the fuck is this? And I immediately thought of Hanger by Ryan Nicholson. And then I immediately started thinking that a lot of the extreme movies from that time frame didn't have anything on the Japanese cinema that came out in the 70s. It really doesn't. And I feel like almost all the extreme movies that people went nuts for were just kind of rips of Japanese films. And the Japanese have always been more extreme than everyone when it comes to their movies. So, um, oh man, I can't believe this movie. So these geniuses decide to recruit this perverted janitor. And of course they get on the bus and they start to molest and rape everybody they come in contact with. There is a weird comedy beat where they kick all the so-called ugly girls off the bus. They say, you're too ugly and throw them out of the bus. And this pickup truck with a couple guys pick them up. And the one girl tells a fabricated story on there. And it's just such a weird moment. But it has, like, these weird, like, I feel like, I don't want to say Keystone Cop moments for these guys chasing them, but there's literally, like, rape and then maybe, like, a, not necessarily a joke, but a weird tonal switch. And it's just, like... I can't believe this movie exists. Like, I can't believe they're doing it like this. And then I started to realize that every guy that comes in contact is a pervert and a monster. And it does it two or three times like that. And there's a couple twists and turns. And I was like, oh my god, I can't believe it's doing this stuff. And I don't want to spoil too much. I've already talked about it enough. But it is super grody and explicit. And there's lots of rape. And um, there's literally a part where everybody is told to bend over. And lay this. I just... Man, this is trash. This is trashy as hell. Um, and if I'm following it the way I think I'm following it, where it's a statement on all these guys are perverts, all men are perverts, and and it's almost a parody of the perversion of men, then I can understand that um, it's kind of really good at what it's doing. Um, If if it's not aware of this stuff that it's doing, it is an abominable movie. But I can't say that I'm looking at it the first way and I really did enjoy how crazy it was. And I'm not going to lie. It was so insane. I couldn't believe what they were doing and it became entertaining because of it. Although, like I said, I'm reading at it in a certain way. But White Rose Campus and then Everybody Got Raped is one of the most ridiculous titles. These pinky films, they always have the most ridiculous titles. All, all Sato's films, he, he, uh, he, his, uh, Yasu Sato's movies have the like titles that you are dislike. Nobody's going to rent that unless they're a pervert. So I guess I'm a pervert because I'm watching these Nikatsu Erotic Films collection. I'll be watching a bunch more probably down the line. But this one is insane. White Rose Campus was one of the craziest things I've seen in years. Um, But yeah, it's nuts. Nuts movie. And the ending, you're just like, I can't believe you're doing this. This is so sickening. Okay, the Patreon pick here is uh, from Dan the Cameraman. He said, pick any vinegar Syndrome movie that you wanted to check out. And uh, I picked Killing Birds, a.k.a. Zombie 5. That's right. Um, okay, right? I've watched Dawn of the Dead, which is technically Zombie 1 a million times. One of my second, third favorite movie ever made. I've watched Zombie, Fulci Zombie, a million times. Top five, ten favorite horror movies ever made, somewhere around there. I've watched Zombie 3 a freaking million times i love that goofy movie and i've watched zombie 4 a handful too i love that movie so why in the world have i watched all these zombie movies sequels unauthorized on whatever authorized or not a bunch of times and i've never seen zombie 5 killing birds okay I guess I could tell you why. This is a late 80s uh, Italian film, of course, uh, partially directed by Joe Diamato. It's basically his company, the Film Mirage one, which put out stuff like Frankentine 2000 and Crawlers, a.k.a. Troll 3, a.k.a. Contamination 9, some really cheapy kind of stuff that I kind of find enjoyable. But um, Joe Diamato was a, kind of a famous, uh, very famous uh, cinematographer in Italy, but he also directed a slew of stuff like Anthropophagus and Monster Hunter, aka Absurd. So Anthropophagus 2, whatever. He directed a slew of stuff, a bunch of stuff I've covered. I've always liked Joe Diamato, made my top 50 favorite directors. So um, Killing Birds, this is a really strange film um besides kind of a couple italian regulars um the only big actor in here is robert vaughn um which is crazy you know this is around the same time as bud the chud i think that he was in and uh, some other things so uh robert vaughn went from academy award winning or nominee to doing bud the chud and killing birds okay the opening of this movie is like a, a quadruple murder or something like that, a triple murder, um, violent murder, and the murderer gets his eyes plucked out by these birds that they seem to have as captivity. We fast forward years down the line and we have this weird college campus um, which is so bizarre. Like This is the type of movie where you, I literally heard from two different characters in 10 minutes time, this there's a bear shit in the woods! So it's one of these ones where it's like, it's very Italian but it's trying to be very American and the result is just hilarity. I would you know, uh, there's so many of those kind of like that. Like uh, foreign films that are trying to be American so hard or appeal to an American audience that you just burst out laughing. Like, what was that uh, um, one I watched a little bit ago? Jeez, uh, uh, Don't Panic was like that. Um, a lot of Joe Diamato's ones, I would say mon- Absurd is like that for sure. Um, yeah, like where you have Italians e uh, Americans, uh, they are Americans in the film eating spaghetti while watching the Super Bowl, and you're like, this seems like a weird... Like understanding of American culture or the lack of American culture. I don't care But what it is, whatever. But uh, yeah, so killing birds is absolutely ridiculous. We have a group of college kids that are going to study the disappearance of a bird. We have a journalist go along with them and we have like a um, nature guy to kind of guide them. So they all go and pretty soon they're in the swampy area and they get lost, they end up finding this old abandoned house, which is the house where the murders took place, but they do first kind of console or talk to Robert Vaughn, who is missing both of his eyes, so, oh no, he must have been the guy in the beginning, he must have been the killer, so, um, and you know, there's some weird situation with them right away, so pretty soon, they get in the house, and there's no real killing birds, not really, and not really zombies either. They're more like black demons from like the Lindsay film or something like that. So they start to pick them off and most of them die in absolutely ridiculous ways. The deaths are fairly gory though. Although there is a guy who gets killed by generator. That's got to be a first, but his friend just watches him where he's like, Oh no, and it's his hands in there. It's like, what are you doing? Turn it off, kick it over, pull the guy out for, just don't let them die. There's I mean, so many of that. In a lot of these Italian movies, like these latter-day Italian movies, where those be watching like <gasps> the friend get massacred, and those stand for like ten minutes. Like, but um, this one is super cheesy. Um, I did enjoy myself. I'm not gonna lie. I do like a lot of the late '80s Italian films. This is weird that I never watched this one but now I could check it off the list. The transfer looks amazing, like ridiculously amazing. It was very hilarious to see how good uh, how it sounded and looked and everything like that. Sam Deegan does a commentary on here where she breaks down the zombie films and their numerous authorized and unauthorized sequels. She talks about Joe Diamato, all the players in the film. Um, great commentary, really enjoyed it. Um, and I love her work, her and uh, Kat Ellinger's work together too. So always got to mention, when I mention one, I mention the other usually. Um, but great commentary on here. There's also some interviews with some of the, the players in here. Anyways, great release by vinegar syndrome of a movie that um, I will watch again, but it's I can't give it like a hold hearty recommend. Like this is a fantastic movie. It's a fantastically entertaining movie, but it's not a great film. But hey, you guys knew that already. Okay, guys, let's uh, dive into Survival 5. And this one here is chaos that's right chaos by david defalco is that who directed it yeah um boy i'm gonna take some heat on this one i know this movie's not popular i know it's not well liked i saw it when it came out originally this one was planned as a last house on the left remake it ended up becoming a homage david hess oh sorry david hess was originally supposed to be in this um but some reason he wasn't which is unfortunate. he was going to play the cop okay So Kevin Gage, Stage Stallone are kind of the bigger actors in here that I would recognize. You guys know Kevin Gage is kind of like um, a side character actor in a lot of big movies like um, Heat or Con Air very memorable character, plays Wayne Crow and and he's in Con Air, he's got one of the lines in the very beginning where he's like, yeah, I'm a regular a regular hound dog, and I just always remember that line, he's got a special glint in his eyes that shows you that he is insane or crazy, it reminds me of the glint in um, Day of the Dead that Steel gets, when he uh, is on on the corral and he's like, he does a fucking A-line you can see like the the glint in his eyes and I feel like Kevin Gates has those same intense crazy eyes, I've always been a fan of this guy too, he pops up and What's the Other one i think he's inlaid the rest actually too um so the plot of chaos is fairly simple it's an updated version of last house on the left now don't take this the wrong way um but last house on the left's original intent right was to basically show people that violence is ugly and disgusting it is not a pop western movie where you fire six times and eight guys fall down with no bowl holes in them violence is ugly um it should be shown ugly. It should be shown miserable, right? He wants to show the audience that violence isn't fun. That's kind of what Wes Craven's intent was, right? For Last House of the Left. And it was a redo of Virgin Springs anyways. So, when we come to 2005, we have Chaos, which has pretty much the same setup we have two girls going to a rave in the woods um one from an interracial family um a a kind of a richer interracial family and one uh kind of more like parents don't pay much attention so they go here the parents are worried so we're constantly cutting back between them um and they meet sage stallone who basically swan who's playing the um junior role um And basically, he takes them back to his father, who is a wanted rapist and murderer, and his gang of thugs, which includes a weasel-type character and uh, a Sadie-type character. So, I think so. Yeah. So, they have the whole group there. I'm a big fan of Last House Left, if you haven't noticed. And pretty soon what happens is they struggle, they're humiliated, they're mutilated, raped, and murdered until they come back and face the family. There are some differences here. And... I think that the opening it opens up with like this like warning that this is disturbing and made to show that this stuff happens every day and you should be very careful that kind of stuff, um, which is a very exploitative kind of ploy. But the whole campaign for Last House on the Left was very exploitative, but it worked very well, right? But it had a message in there too, I guess. You know, to show the violence. Uh, so the stuff in here is really nasty. Really nasty. Some of the side acting, I'm not saying. Kevin Gage is great in it. Stage alone pretty solid. The girls are good for the most part, especially when they're being uh, uh, murdered and hurt and everything like that in pain and fight back. They're, they're really excellent in that kind of department. But um, it is so graphic and nasty and like to do an updated version of Last House on the Left, you'd have to really, if you want to get that feeling where you're going to hurt the audience with the violence and show them that, no, this is gross. This is horrible stuff. Um you really kind of have to hit them with it, right? I don't know if you can really shock people in 2005 at the time or hit them over the head with this stuff. I feel like maybe that time was gone or maybe you had to do something completely different. Maybe you couldn't use that story anymore to work, but they're damn well tried. And it's really nasty and it's dark. And the way it ends, it brings up these other things too, this really ugly side of human nature in there. And it ends differently. And I know it's kind of a spoiler, but the way it ends will really upset people. And I think it's the movie's intent just to upset you, to let you know that, you know, the catharsis that you really thought at the end of Last House on the Left, like, yeah, they got their catharsis sort of, but they're still ruined. It's worse than that here. They don't even get that. You know, and, and I don't want to say anything else about it, but the special effects are really solid and gross. And I couldn't believe, like, rewatching it again, I seen this one a couple times when it came out. Rewatching it, I was like, again, I was like, holy shit. Like, the, like the, and I will admit, the first, like, scene with the, the, the whole them is kind of shaky, where, like, they beat up these kind of guys where they're acting like they're hitchhiking or something like that. I was like, I don't, ah, man, this feels a little shaky in terms of, like, acting. But, like I said, Kevin Gage is always fantastic, and, and he's just a monster. Like, and I also found it hilarious that the only other movie from 2005 that uses the gay slur as much is Hostile. Where in Chaos, they're portraying absolute monsters, criminal, scum-of-the-earth pieces of shit. And in Hostel, they're, they're portraying college kids. So isn't that funny that these two movies from 2005 use the, the gay slur more than any other movie that I've seen from 2005? Very funny. Um, I think that um, Eli Roth's dialogue for college kids was a little dated even in 2005. Because I feel like high schoolers were talking like that in 2005. Not college kids. By college, they can it's one year out, but still, you're going to college. Grow up. Stop stop being a dick. Uh, so, it was a different time, like I said. But it's just weird to me, like the comparison. I, I just don't know what else to say about this without spoiling it. But I was really kind of uh, still surprised at the brutality of it. Um, and I think that it is more of an updated, true-to-form Last House on the Left than the 2009 movie. I think the 2009 remake fails at everything. I mean, it, it's a polished movie. It might have some good acting in it. But it literally is its not Last House on the Left. And it's not an updated version of that original story. Why would you update the story and its intent was to hit the audience over the head with the violence and show them that it's not pretty. And pull all your punches in a remake. And I know Wes was involved with the remake. But Wes Craven, people when they're younger, like when they're younger, they they're more... I think likely to make something that hits really hard. Maybe it's rough around the edges, but it hits like hard as a mule. Right. And they get older. I think those edges, you know, they start to soften out a little bit. And I don't want to say Wes Craven was soft or anything, but maybe, maybe he didn't want to make that stuff. And I don't blame him. Like if somebody, if I was a filmmaker now, and they're like, make, make a Hills have eyes or Last house love. I don't think I could do it. You know, And, and like, it's some of these guys, they they have that that something to say and something to prove. And I think Last House on the Left had it. And maybe Chaos didn't have it exactly, but they tried a lot harder than the Last House on the Left remake. And it's cheaper, it's dirtier looking, which it should be. Um, And I know I didn't want to get on this tirade about the Last House on the Left remake, because it's just, it's not very good. I mean, it might be well made and everything. I just haven't seen it in a while. I just remember it kind of being, meh. But... I think that, uh, this one doesn't really pull its bunches. And I think that's kind of what you need to have when you're making a movie like this. And I know I I had some complaints about Becky too. Um, and I know people, a lot of people enjoyed it and they're like, well, Becky doesn't have to be that. And it doesn't have to be that. But if I want to watch my revenge movies with horrible characters, I want them to be horrible and I want them to, you know what I mean? Like I need to see that like realism in there. if If that's what you're showing me. So, um, I, I know people hate this movie. They can't stand it, but I like it. I'm going to recommend it. Um, there's some nice features on here an interview with the producer who played Junior in the original Last House on the Left, and he talks about the casting and some of his career and how David Hess had a falling out, not making it and everything. Um, but they did, you know, part on good terms, it sounded like. And uh, there's an interview with the actor who plays the Weasley type character. Uh, so, anyways, uh, Chaos. And they don't have the Keystone Cop stuff. They just have racist cops. So yeah, um, if you're into the kind of extreme stuff, um, look into it. Uh, I it is an interesting movie. It has an interesting story and all that kind of stuff too. Um, yeah, I, I I like it, and it's a weird movie from 2005. Okay, I'm gonna be very brief with this one. It is Death Tunnel from 2005, and the only reason I watched this is because I was gonna cover it on 22 Shots, but it didn't have time. So Death Tunnel. Um, I really didn't, I don't, I didn't know what was going on. I didn't. Like, until somebody read the description while I was watching it. And I was like, okay, that's what's happening. Basically, like, this guy, he's a rock star. He has, like, five women go through this abandoned, like, old facility where a bunch of people got sick and died in. And it has a haunted history to win his affection or some shit. Um, basically, uh, some weird ghost or something's killing everybody. I don't know. Obviously, evil spirits from the stuff that happened before. And there's a, definitely a twist in what all the people are picked and why they're there, yada, yada. Some people have ancestors and bullshit like that. Thank <laughs> you. Um, the first five minutes, I was like, oh, this is not going to be as bad as everybody says it is. This isn't bad at all. The setup's cool with the, the plague and people being wrongfully buried and experiments. I was like, this is going to be cool. And then it started, and the editing started cutting in, and um, the weird voiceover would be like, six dead, go, I'm like, what are you talking about, Willis? I have no idea what's happening here. The editing literally was so sporadic and sloppy and weird and everything about it just made no sense. Everybody felt like they were supermodel, and they were just not very good at acting or maybe delivering their lines but who could deliver these lines anyways so I don't blame them I mean I I don't think I could do any better so I might as well shut up but literally there's just points in the movie where I did not know what was happening I could not follow anything it was just sporadic terrible not like 2005 editing just horrible movie just not make any sense to me I couldn't follow it it gave me a headache and it's just not very good this is old man Parker get off my lawn can anyone make ends meet of this movie I don't know what the hell is happening um if they didn't tell me the characters were dead after they died, I wouldn't know they died. Um, and there's this really hilarious scene where the character's like spreading up a fire escape and it's like cutting sporadically and moving and all this stuff. And then they jump on the roof real quick and they fall right through the roof. And I immediately just started laughing out loud. Um, absolutely ridiculous movie. Um, not good. Worst movie of 2005 right now for sure. So I don't plan on watching anything worse than this. And I only watched it because it was for 22 shots and I didn't even review it on the show. Um, awful. So yeah, Death Tunnel. No, thank you. Okay. We got a, a big big of here of a uh, two thousand five, and this is uh, Kazu Yume's Horror Theater six, 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 I can't talk right now. Six Dark Tales to make you cringe. Um, so I guess I'll start and break these all down and start with the first one um, which is House of Bugs and this is directed by the guy who did Pulse and The Cure, so kind of a known name in here, Um, this is a really weird story here, these are uh, ranging anywhere from about 50 minutes to an hour and six being the longest, most are about 47 to 52 I'd say something along those lines, they were made for TV in 2005, they are shot on I think digital, maybe even video, they look very cheap, but okay so Oh, the first story, House of Bugs, is a weird marital story, but it's kind of cool. It's definitely a metamorphosis story, Kafka story. <laughs> Uh, so we have two points of view of this husband and wife kind of telling the story where they both think they're cheating on each other and the wife, uh, is accusing the husband of being abusive and they both have these people that they're kind of rely, you know, relaying these stories to, uh, one of which with the husband, he had a, kind of a, a slight one night stand with her years back and the other guy is a cousin, but the other two do not know this. So they're both suspicious of them and it becomes really wild and weird. And just strange, and I don't necessarily know how to explain it. But they show these two points of views within, like, how they, uh, the, the husband and wife kind of understand the Metamorphosis book and everything like that. But um, there's some really awful CGI in this one that is hilariously bad. There is a couple practical moments in there, too, are okay. This one is kind of interesting, but I don't know how much I liked it. Um, not one of my favorites of the six, but we're uh, interesting enough, and I definitely need to read Metamorphosis because I keep seeing movies that are referencing it, and I'm a, I know that I'm missing out on stuff and i even watched the movie kafka from 91 and it was a batshit crazy experience that i know i would like better if i was familiar with the the character's work the writer's work way more so yeah this one uh i would say iffy on it i don't love it okay the next one is diet and this one's super strange as well. I really forgot to double check who the directors are because there's a lot of famous peep directors behind these. One of the directors, like I said, was Paul and Cure. Another one did Meatball Machine from this year. And geez, there's like the all of them are, are kind of famous directors. I want to say the guy who did Meatball Machine did the present, but I'm not 100%. He might have done Snake Girl. So this next one is Diet. Um, and it, this is a strange one. Okay, so we have this girl who basically starts to suffer from bulimia and anorexia you think that she's seeing herself as very heavy and she likes this boy but he's not interested in her and we have this really heartbreaking moment in the very beginning where he kind of like tells her he's not um and pretty soon enough we have this huge reveal in the in the middle of the movie but there's this points in here there's a couple like reveals in here and the ending is it's it's worth watching for the ending i really enjoyed that but there's this really um kind of weird moment to me where I'm like, it's so strange when you have a character suffering from bulimia or anorexia, eating disorder, and they see themselves very overweight. So, like, you have to put out a casting call for, like, somebody that looks like this person but they're overweight. So it's like, I need a fat person. It's just like, that's just so, like sad like he's like all right come in uh, we're gonna cast you for being fat person it's just like this sucks man but i know i it's just such a strange thing for me like every time like sitcoms or tv shows it'll be like well here's we need fat disgusting person number six um it's just weird like casting and stuff for that kind of stuff that's the first thing that pops in my head when i watch this but like i said i can't talk about this one without completely spoiling everything but it is a film about you know mental illness for sure and the, like the reveals work really well And the end has a nice just dessert, which I really liked and I thought it was enjoyable. Uh, This one, it doesn't feel like a horror movie at all. And just like the first one doesn't either until like the like 75% mark. And they're like, oh, these are horror movies. And they turn horror turns pretty quick, the first two at least, in House of Bugs and Diet. But I would recommend checking this one out, I guess. This one might be one of the weaker ones for people, but I did kind of enjoy it. So is Diet. I enjoyed all of them, but to varying extents. Okay, the next one is Snake Girl. And uh, this one's super bizarre, too. Uh, (laughs) This feels like a weird... uh, It's definitely making a mention on bullying and that kind of stuff. But it also feels almost like a a Lawrence Talbot Wolfman story with snake people. So we have this young girl who's going to meet her cousin in an isolated village and she's walking through the woods and everybody that sees her from this village is really leery of her. She gets there. Her aunt and uncle don't really want her there, but her friend tells her to stay her cousin and uh she starts to kind of have these weird nightmares one of them is not nightmare but weird things start to happen where it feels nightmarish um, one of these is straight out of a nightmare i will say though where she's sleeping in bed and there's a hole in the ceiling and there's like this weird blue eye looking in at her like strange eye it's just creepy as hell happens a couple times like that but soon enough we realize that she has her own issues of anger and frustration and somehow it's it's become part of this snake world and these people the whole town ends up being possibly snake people and it gets really weird um the effects are practical and digital the digital effects are abomination to everything that is known um but i'm exaggerating the practical are decent like i like the look of the snake uh woman or snake girl uh but all in all, I think this one is decent and it is a little strange to mix these two kind of almost like uh, like legend. Like I said, it feels like the Wolfman, but it also mixes in these le- like this, like kind of like, uh, you know, story about bullying and lessons and all that kind of stuff. I think this one's uh, decent. OK, the next one here is called The Wish. And I, heard, I should mention that this guy, um, Katsu Umezi, he's a manga writer, and a lot of his stories are, you know, horror stories. They're adapted into this and some other things, too. I think Baptism of Blood is one. But uh, not all his stuff, I think, has been adapted. Like, um, So this is kind of cool that this even exists in the first place. So we're going to do The Wish. Um, and this is, I think, when they start getting pretty good. This one is probably one of my favorite of the bunch. Um, a very memorable thing in here. This basically, we have this young kid who's gifted intelligence, um, and he's kind of a loner at school. He lives on the opposite side of town, so he walks by himself. No one really talks to him. He doesn't have many friends, so one day somebody gives him a compliment on his woodwork, and uh, he decides to take a different way home, and it feels a little bit magical to him. Ah, different. It feels like he's seen these streets somewhat, but they're not the same streets that he's used to, and and all that kind of stuff, and he ends up finding this this wooden like rounded item and he takes it home and he starts to carve it into a friend um there's also this like kind of wish fulfillment thing his father tells him about wishing on stars and all that kind of stuff so he ends up making a friend and it's really crude and weird looking it has these like brackets on its to move its legs wooden top, and it has these big eyes and these pin mouth it's very creepy and unsettling but this becomes his only friend and uh, he's very loyal to his friend. He gets mad when his mom makes fun of it, but his parents worrying about him send him to a more public school where he immediately finds a girl that he's interested in and they become friends, but um, you know that wish he made and that doll he made? They're not having any of it. I'll leave it at that, but uh, there's some really creepy moments, and there's a good uh, standoff at the very end. I think this one works really well. It's really creepy, Um, and you saw some of the comic pieces of it in the opening, like you see the doll on the window with the rain. This one works really well, and I like the weird kind of almost magical storyline where he says he takes the different road home, and he, you know, he just saw something they normally wouldn't see, and it feels like almost like a, a different street, and the world's changed since he went down that street. Anyways, this one's really Solid, really good, and really creepy. And I thought that the way they moved the puppet and stuff worked really well. Good stuff. The next one here we have is the present, um, and this one is wild, man. I think this is the same guy who did Meatball Machine. It, it would make the most sense, right? Okay, this is a weird take on Christmas. You know, you usually don't think Japanese and Christmas because I don't think that there's that many as many Christians in Japan as there is the United States and some other places I'm more familiar with. But we have this young girl who uh, she's kind of dating a young uh, a young guy. There are like six friends are going to this. They, it seems like they rented out this kind of this hotel. And basically she's planning on losing her virginity to him. Um, then we have kind of like this flash with her at a young age where her parents are telling her about Santa Claus and they tell her who he is and she has to be good or he's going to, you know, he, he won't give you presents but he'll do something way worse. So... Before long, um, she sees the the clerk as Santa Claus, and nobody else does, and it gets very strange. And pretty soon soon enough, Santa Claus comes in with uh, a vengeance, and he starts hacking and slashing everybody up. This one's really gory. There's limbs chopped off. Um, There's some nasty stuff going on. It's very bloody. And then we start to realize that um, the spirit of Christmas is possibly... Not the same to everybody else, and it's what they were told to look out for or what, who would punish them is what the entity looks like. And I thought that was super interesting and how they went into that, and very different. But uh, it starts to get really crazy at the end, and we start to have these impossibly different realities, and I don't want to spoil anything, but it's nuts. It's gory, it's got a good Christmas look, even though it's a cheap-looking movie, there's lots of greens and reds, and I thought this had good Christmas atmosphere, and I was very surprised by it. Um, and this one was much better than expected, and probably the best of the bunch, along with Wish. Those two are by far the best, but this one's really good, so check out present the present. And the last of the six uh, films is Deathmake. And Deathmake, uh, this is a weird one. This honestly kind of reminded me of something that uh, Nolroy would do, it kind of reminded me of that, or a cult where it has all these kind of paranormal people meeting into this abandoned school or place. This place is supposedly very haunted. Anybody who's went in has never come out. So they have like five or six, uh, this producer gets them all together. There's like five or six psycho, like, you know, kind of psychic kind of people, people that deal with ghosts. They all have major different personalities and they all kind of like are breaking down who they are and why they're there and all this kind of stuff. And of course, before long, something crazy happens. And it's not necessarily a ghost story. It's an even crazier story um, about uh, different dimensions and insane shit like that. And this kind of bug creature comes out, this mantis-like thing. Sometimes practical, looks pretty solid, sometimes digital. The digital effects in here are not fantastic, but they start to get picked off here and there. It's in a creepy location. think this one works decently, enjoyed it. Um, and it does have that kind of tackle, like a team of psychic people going to a place. You know, it's been done a million times, but, it's not exactly the ghost that they're looking for or what's not. But uh, I thought they did some cool stuff with the white sheet they have hanging up and shadows and stuff. Overall, I was happy I watched these. The first couple, I was like, maybe I should watch all these. And then by the time I was done, I was like, yeah, I liked more of them a lot more. Like, I liked two of them quite a bit. I thought two of them were okay. And, you know, I feel like two of them are great and two, four of them are okay. I'll be more than that kind of. that that way. But anyways, uh, yeah, I'll I'll post probably some clips that I can find, trailers maybe, maybe even the theme music to hear, because right after, like, you hear the theme music five or six times, it definitely gets stuck in your head and you're, like, humming along with it. I enjoyed it, to be honest. But anyways, that is uh, Katsu Yumez's Horror Theater. Um, There is uh, three releases you can get separately, or you can get the three-disc set. Um, I would just try to go for the three-disc set. makes it easier, all in one place. Nice. What's up, guys? We're here for Blind Spot, and this was my pick. And this was a Paul Verhoeven movie from '83-'84, The Fourth Man. Um, yeah, so I definitely had heard about this movie for years. Uh, it was a thriller I always wanted to check out. And a lot of his movies he shot in his home country before the States, I had not seen any of them. I'd never seen Flesh and Blood, Soldier of Orange, Turkish Delight. Um, but there's a, there's another big one I can't think of. Jeez. Ah, Whatever. Is it Spedder's? Did he do Spedder's? I, I can't remember. But regardless, this was one that uh, caught my attention the most. It's kind of like a thriller. Um, geez, it's almost, it's really weird, strange film. Mm-hmm. Categorically, uh, thriller is the number one category, but I, I would say definitely horror and just strange. I don't want to say film noir necessarily, but there's definitely a femme fatale for sure.
1: Femme Fatale. it has like that kind of Polanski-Hitchcock thing going on. Yeah, mental illness, psychological thriller <laughs> type deal.
0: Um, before I forget, next week is It Came From Outer Space, which is your pick. Yes. Um, which is one of the Rocky Horror Picture Show songs, right? Yes. But okay, so this follows the story of Goomba. Goomba. He's stuck. He's stuck. Our cat's stuck on the chair. They right. should be scratching anyways. <laughs> But uh, next week, <laughs> he completely <laughs> threw me off. Sorry about that, guys. You know, pets will be pets. Right. But, uh, yeah, so it starts off with this writer. And right in the beginning, you, he has this weird obsession. He's not all there right off the bat. He mm-hmm. spots this uh, young male that I think he thinks might be a hustler possibly. Or regardless, he doesn't care. He's very intrigued and they're in this magazine shop. And he's looking at pornography. And he tries to approach him basically tries to follow him on the train, loses sight of him, and ends up kind of getting on the train and has a strange hallucination, which is very, very much full of premonitions that happen later in the film, Mm -hmm. uh, where you wonder, has he been to these places before? And then you kind of start seeing as the film unfolds that a lot of these things are coming true, and it gets really bizarre, and it starts to screw with your head and everything like that. Is there supernatural aspects? Is there mental deficiency? All sorts of weird things. But the imagery on that train was amazing. When he's, right. The way the camera works where he's staring at this picture and you literally go inside the picture. He does, and then he walks around inside the fucking picture, goes in a building, and there's the eyeball and the tomato juice thing. It was just really well done, and I was very impressed with it. It's so different from uh, Paul Verhoeven's RoboCop or Total Recall or Starship Troopers or
1: uh, freaking Showgirls. So different. Right, yeah. Like, I didn't write, like, I don't see that style carried over, I feel, into some of the other stuff I have seen of his. Well,
0: the thing about his style is, like, he never ever uh, tippy toes around things to me. Right. Like, he's not subtle. He's not subtle at all to me. Like with Robocop and Starship Troopers, the satirical shit's right in your face. This one, it's like the psychological aspects, the premonitions. And I guess what he did was he put tons of symbolism in here and shit on purpose. I was, I saw this on Letterboxd just so the critics would be like, connecting all the symbolism but it was just all mostly bullshit and he Mm -hmm. just did it so he could get critical acclaim and played the critics like that (laughs) (laughs) because really it's just a story about a guy who has (coughs) obsession and mental illness or there could be something else going on the 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 title the fourth man basically he ends up meeting this uh this woman who he's interested in and it turns out that she has a boyfriend um and that boyfriend is the guy on the train who he is obsessing about so he sticks around in this weird creepy love triangle and he thinks he might be playing psychological
1: tricks on both of them but he actually might be the uh fly that, right he <laughs> might be the one that's you know yeah. might, might be killed um he does find out which, i don't know if, about spoiling
0: well i think that we can talk about like some of this bit um we typically don't spoil the newer ones but these ones in blind spot they're right. blind spot for a reason because they're fairly popular movies
1: like, you know, so, like, he, you know, he comes to find out that she's kind of, like, like a black widow type, yeah. where, you know, she's, like, married three times, all three husbands have been killed. So, that's where the title of the fourth man comes seven from.
0: Times before and, and,
1: uh, you know, like, he... Debates, You know, is he going to be the fourth person or is yep. it going to be the, the male that he's in love I, I with?
0: love when he watches her, like, private film reels that she must have left out for him to find on purpose. Yeah. And the one guy, <laughs> the lion stuff, I'm like, oh, because there's that real awful um, traces of death, which I think I turned off. Um, like if you thought "Paces the death was too much traces the death is really bad where it's just like this voiceover and this guy's feet, like gets out and films these lines and he gets mauled by him. Rem- I immediately had flashbacks to that where uh, this guy gets killed on the safari and this like y- they don't even show you the deaths, but you just fill in the blanks where, you know, exactly right. what happened, but, uh, no, uh, the actress who plays, um, the femme fatale is in, Jeez, Eve of Destruction, which is one from '91 about this kind of robot that's carrying a bomb in them, which is a really fun, cool movie. Um, it's one of the three or four killer robot movies from <laughs> 1991. Um, Yeah, I really like this. I thought the acting was tremendous. I thought it looked great. I thought Mm -hmm. that it was, like I said, there's not really subtlety, but there's imagery, and I guess symbolism is just kind of fun. But there's lots of kind of stuff that would be bothersome to
1: some people, like the religious iconography. People
0: like, oh, uh, gay Jesus stuff. I don't like it. Oh, yeah,
1: and there's a lot of, like, like gay subsex in here. No, it's it's gay actual text. I mean, he wants to, you know, be with... uh, His sexuality is a
0: very strange character because he's not—he's bisexual, like—and I the scene where him and uh, the girl have sex, the woman have sex, and he says you have like a slender uh, boy's body, and that whole scene. Like, you ever seen movies like how sex is filmed really weird in the editing and it's just like all this like sappy, like soft focus lighting shit. This felt like real sex. Like it felt more real and it wasn't like hardcore or anything, but it felt True. real. Like, you know what I mean? Is there any kind of scenes where they like somehow managed to make him look more realistic and not over the top, but I felt like it was
1: actually a really well done sex scene. With him and the the woman there, I think it was too. Actually, um, maybe not as well as uh, Forbidden Planet. No. Stop it! Yeah, the <laughs> the saxophone cut too. Those were like raunchy sex
0: scenes. Right. I mean, this is explicit. It's not like it's not explicit. But what's really weird about this movie is he spends this whole time trying to track down this uh, this man and seduce him, and then when he gets his chance, he his own, own other obsession or mm-hmm. his fear completely fucks it up. And you're just like, all that for nothing really. Right. And, and um, like I said, it feels very haunting. Like if you would watch like the psychic by Fulci or any of these don't look now movies with premonitions, mm. this movie has premonitions. And when I think horror, I do think premonitions unless we're talking about Spider-Man or some shit. Uh, you know
1: I, what I mean? Right. Um I always really liked the, like, the, 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 I guess, character arc or plot element of, like, the fake psychic becomes a real psychic and they don't know how to express oh, or interpret that's and basically ghost too where a yeah, uh, fake yeah yeah the, Whoopi fate, Goldberg and the charlton
0: basically becomes the real thing yeah or um that movie the cleansing hour which came out last year a couple years ago about the uh exorcist on the internet it has to be a real exorcist for once but he right. already lost his faith <laughs> but uh yeah so there's that going on and there's a, i had another interesting point that i was thinking about too oh like i said the premonitions i was hitting that um the medium from 1985, kind of reminds me of that kind of stuff too. Um, that one's an interesting Polish movie that doesn't get a lot of love. I know from '85, um. but no, I think this is a great movie. I like the look too. Yeah, it looks really good. Yeah, I, I like the, the dark the setting. look to it. Great mm-hmm. setting. Um, a character that is not likable but very interesting. The
1: the main character. Yeah, I like watching them. Oh, I like watching yeah. all three of them. Well, it, it's I think it's kind of cool to see a. a gay character presented in such a way where it's, like... I'm so sick of, He's not, like, like feminine or, like... Masculine. He's neither. Right. He's just... And
0: he's very witty, too. I love when he's on stage and they're, like, talking and he's mm -hmm. doing the writing stuff. It it does get very old to watch... um, like stereotypical gay or African American characters. It's just like, come on, we still doing this shit? Like, right. everybody's unique and different. I know sometimes the stereotypes cross over and whatever, but still, I am so sick of seeing like the overly feminine or like the biker gay guy or something like that. Or this character is probably, I guess it would be a third stereotype, maybe the artistic gay type. I guess. But he's a weird character and he's not typically like any other character. Mm-hmm. But there is so many of these psychological thrillers where. I am a sucker for it because you could do a lot of different things and all the characters are always, they're, they're like the same, but they just do different like stuff in their psyche and stuff. I don't know. So the question is, there's that great scene where they hug and you know, he's manipulating her because he wants to get her boyfriend and they like show her face hugging him and she obviously is hiding something as well. Right. Which I loved. Um, now, was that in his head? Was that a trick for the audience? I think, do you think she's bad?
1: I think she is. Like, it, they don't really come clean with it, but, like, her, her last scene in the, in the movie is walking off... With um, some other guy. With, and she's like, oh, you... Is it you paraglide, or... What does he do? I can't remember. <laughs> Something dangerous. They yeah, exactly.
0: But what's funny is, she definitely was getting a lot of money from the situation. She has the three urns in the, uh, the, mm-hmm. mazel, the crypt. But, how would you feel if you were... They just put your body next to the other husband... Right. That's fine. I mean, kinda... Put me next to my parents or something? I don't want to be there. Right. But uh what what's really weird is, do you think he she planned on marrying the young guy or him
1: and killing one of them? You know, she probably couldn't get away with you know, cuz she is she doesn't be going for a certain type and it's usually a very rich person and somebody that is into some sort of weird extreme or so she was just screwing them for fun. Or do you right. think she was kind of gold digging to see if the writer had any money because well, she knows was, the writer doesn't have any money because he couldn't even like get the train there. Yeah she was pants
0: which is very strange though because he, yeah, yeah she, why she, was
1: she fooling she, around with him? I mean she liked him though she, It was love.
0: It was no, it was not love. True love. It was not <laughs> because she was clearly manipulating him in a weird way. I don't know what was going on right.
1: But, see they leave a lot of that kind of open-ended. Right, and then the other guy, while he had money, I don't think he did anything necessarily that was... Well, he didn't have that much money. He was doing a a medial job. He was a construction worker or something like that. He didn't have that much
0: money. But life insurance policies, but they weren't married. You see what I mean? Right. And do you think he died before she could cash in on anything from him? So do you think that he screwed up her
1: plans? Maybe he did. Maybe. I mean, whether or not you look at it as... She is the killer or not. He did screw up her plan. I mean, even if she wasn't the killer, like, yeah. He the whole reason why the boyfriend was there was to cure his, like, three-minute, you know, and he's out thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because yeah. yeah. that, that was a whole shtick, was like, oh, I love this man, you know, he's, he, he's amazing, but the he sex can't. is terrible. And so... <laughs> And then that's when is like, oh, I'm a sex expert. I can probably cure him. You know, you see my mystical psychic powers and then, boy, well, he gets the bloke killed. And I love that he had, like, read the information and he's playing it like he's guessing. That's just yeah.
0: such a slimy thing to do and it just makes me, like, cringe. I'm like, oh, man, that's so uncomfortable. <laughs> but um, I thought it was a great movie. I would give it, um, oh, do we read the reviews first? Yeah, I think we do. I'm, I'm going to do Creature Features John Stanley for my old ripped up book. And where are we at? The Fourth Man, Uh, 1984, three out of five. Paul Verhoeven, director of Total Recall, spins a weird allegorical tale about a homosexual writer who suffers hallucinations and undergoes horror when he meets a black widow whose husbands have all died mysteriously. A multi-layered Dutch film with subtitles. Subtitles is spelled wrong. No, it's right. This may offend some with its sexual and violent content, but art film lovers should find it fascinating. Jorgen Krab, or how do you say his name? Jorgen Krab, Rene... Yeah, no,
1: no. A.K. Blunt. <laughs> okay, the fourth man. Three out of four stars. 1979, 98 that's, minutes. Yeah, oh wow, 79. That's I don't think that's right. To uh, do, 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 do this, early dead shocker plays like a cross between the work of a Brian De Palma and Roman Polanski. A gay alcoholic writer, Crab, begins an affair with beautiful blonde hairdresser Sultan G. I don't know, if yeah, yeah, it's yeah, Swedish yeah. or Dutch. As the relationship progresses, Crabb discovers two obsessions. The first to sleep with what's her name's handsome young boyfriend, Hoffman. And the second, and more disturbing, to discover what really happened to Renee's three dead husbands. Admirably frank in its presentation, no Hollywood film would feature casual frontal male nudity or homosexual characters who aren't face stereotypes, which this has striking imagery and shockingly gory twist ending. Even with the poor dubbing, it's still well worth seeing. Originally, 104 minutes. Ooh. We um we watched the Subtitle version. Yeah, we course. watched it in actual Dutch. Yeah. So um he was dead on. We
0: said all that stuff. Yeah. And I didn't read that before, did you? I, oh, I totally did. Oh. But well, I, I want. But I. I, I felt g- the way. So I was like, I wanted to say it out loud. <laughs> I, I agree. I agree with yeah. him completely. And it was a. Uh, um, James O'Neill gave it three out of five. 75 percent. I would give it close to an eight and a half or eight eight and a half out of ten. I really liked it. I'd
1: give it a four out of five. It's a very good movie. It's a very good movie.
0: I think it might be it's the best psychological thriller we watch besides Peeping Tom? well we watched a lot of psychological yeah, that was pretty much half of my horror movie
1: right. watched just psychological like the, i picked repulsion peeping tom it's like here's a guy who just wants to Magic. have sex and be a woman and uh then he goes crazy that's that's probably a quarter of your picks i feel <laughs>
0: <laughs> i was traumatized as a kid and it's mixed up with my sexuality right. and now i'm <laughs> fucked up
1: that's all the movies i've picked Kind of um, picking all these space adventures and it's like, so it's, let's
0: kind of throw a well, on the roof. Wait wait till he's a truck driver by day, cross-dresser by night. It's 1973 and his dad beat him and made him wear a dress. So now, every time he drives the truck, he keeps high heels under his seat. But when the woman finds it, he has a flashback and he forgets and his dual personality crosses over and he's, he, he goes nuts. But honestly, <laughs> I can't wait for the crossover movie that we're going to do. The space psychological thriller uh, character study. <laughs> this alien is con- confused with the sexuality because Great. his mean parents beat him up when he was a little uh, toad thing.
1: On oh, his planet there is no gender, but he comes down to Earth and it's like, <laughs> oh, oh no, fears- <laughs> <"Who wants laughs> got those got good roles.
0: It's like that old uh, uh, shock suspense story from like the Twilight, the, from the EC comics, where like, I remember them talking about that one. I don't, uh, where like the aliens are on a special planet and they have like red robots and blue robots and they keep them separated. They're like why? Because it's like, because he's red. He doesn't deserve it. That's what they say. And the then end. like at the very end, the astronauts like, you guys aren't ready to come to earth. And they're like, why not? They're all sad. And then he gets to the ship and he's an African American guy. Oh, unfortunately that comic was more progressive than we are. Yeah. Cause we suck. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyways, fourth man, excellent movie. Uh, highly recommend it. Next week is It Came From Outer Space. And uh, after that will be the movie we make called The Fourth Man Came From Outer Space. The mixture of the two movies. Yes. (laughs) Okay, we're done okay guys let's hop into the uh questions nick mua i listened to a 22 shots episode covering the twilight saga not your cup of tea i gather still it was a patreon pick so what are you gonna do so i wanted to know what movie you uh would you never want to rewatch for a patreon pick no matter how much money they throw at you no i would just refund them um I really am not going to do the vomit gore movies ever again. I just don't think I could handle that stuff anymore. I really don't want to watch it. Um, not not even because I, I just have no interest in them anymore. And I wouldn't want to watch like a two and a half hour Bills above movie. I wouldn't do it. I'm sorry. So yeah, those are the ones. Stuff like that. Uh, like anything that's purposely made horrible that's very long. Like it's like here's a four hour movie of me like driving a truck eating nachos and nothing else happens. I'm not going to watch it. During one of the many, uh, the, the name of the rose rewatches, I was thinking how weird it must be for someone who loves books to suddenly be trapped in a maze full of them. Hence my question. If you were trapped in a maze full of DVDs and Blu rays, would you even want to leave? Let's say there's an HDTV and 4K player present uh, plus food. Yes, I would, because you need fresh air. I'd like to exercise interact with other people because honestly i hit a certain point in my like time i honestly have trouble i can't hit past four movies a day usually i like at four i'm like all right i need to get up and do stuff i have adhd i i could watch movies all day maybe but not that long not for life um what else do we have are there any decent werewolves versus vampire movies out there? Probably not. I know there's a, a scene in, geez, um, Howling 6, not a great movie. Um, the Underworlds movies never interested me. Twilight's awful. Oh, geez. Um, there's a couple episodes of Tales from the Crypt that involve that kind of thing that are decent, especially one in Season 2 I really like called The Secret. Spoiler, sorry. Final point. I promise you probably don't care, but I saw those Twilight movies too. I even read some of the books, which state that the native tribe, our skinwalkers and shapeshifters, not true children of the moon, the inverse werewolves. Those Volteri uh, dudes fear the children of the moon and tried to exterminate them. Yes, but in the advertising, they basically refer to them as werewolves, right? not true children of the moon. So they refer to them in the book, but basically in all the advertising and everything like that, in lamest terms, they call them werewolves. In that universe, they're considered werewolves, right? Like I would never consider in Wolfen those werewolves because they're wolves. These ones, they don't look, they're giant wolves. But I don't know. I'd have to read the source material. But as far as the movies and stuff is concerned, they were always advertised to me and probably stated in there that they're werewolves. So I don't know. Um, Answers. So basically I asked you what were some of your favorite cut trailers, or trailers. Peek and Boo, Cinema Paradiso. Some of these are like longer comments that they talked about other stuff. I'm just going to read with it. Cinema Paradiso, not seen that, but I guess the backdrop would be fascism in Mussolini, which was also around the same time of World War II. So that man walking outside your house when you and Jeremy did Kronos review probably only wanted to get inside and watch some zombie movies. Therefore, he walked like one. To sort of give a hint. I hope not. Question of the week. It's a tough one. One of my fa- all-time favorites are the 2020 movie entrance. Click the trailer link here. And I guess the sneak peek of A Quiet Place 2 comes to mind as we see the mom with her kids driving in the small town and the kids panic. The bus comes towards them and then the trailer ends. Another one, thanks for reminding me, a uh, member named Sherlock Horror, but the trailer for Shockma is so terrifying. Those baboons are seriously messed up. My gosh, that dude... That big box set with mostly Japanese horror movies made my mouth water. Densei Yuta aka Suicide Song is an official sequel to Suicide Club that are based on the controversy from the numerous of suicide, the numbers of suicides from girls that claimed that a song, uh, A-B, AKB84 told them to commit suicide. The producer of the group uh, Yatsushi Alam uh, Akimado did the also write the script for the Densi Yuta. I might send you a mail about the metaphors and stuff on Jitsatu Sakura since it has so many so much things that many people have missed or not understood if they don't know Japanese. I know Suicide. Oh he says sorry for the long text. Suicide Club is very crazy movie. I've watched it a couple times and it's always a little confusing. Joe Carroll uh, damn I wanted to say the Frontiers trailer but the English one is different than ours in the German version there's a cut in the middle that says then it says the film contains a particular large number of scenes with an explicit representation of violence in order to spare the audience nerves there is now a short musical break then a classic music starts playing and the gore starts in starts coming that's great it's just it's a controversial pick I guess but the Angela chapters also has a fucked up trailer Luther Valentine is just something else when it comes to editing and sound design he's very good at that Uh, so much so that it makes you want to throw up on top of the puke? Yeah. Dead Flintstone. I really like the editing in the house of that Jack Belt trailer. It's uh, time to Bowie's song, Fame, and works really effective. That movie, that song is used so much in that movie. I love it. Sherlock Horror. Some of the best horror trailers I can think of are those Shockma and about Killer Monkey. Or should I say Shockma? Everybody knows that. And the first Paul Naschy, many uh, Paul Nash-y's many werewolf movies. It goes by several titles including include Mark of the Werewolf, The Night of Satan, Hell Creatures, Dracula, and the Werewolf, and Frankenstein's Bloody Terror. Despite the fact that the movie has nothing to do with Frankenstein or Dragon also, gotta love the original trailer for Alien, which is as effective today as it was in '79. And I can't forget the great trailer for Return of the Living Dead with that awesome song "Do You Want a Party?" It's party time! Other great trailers include Cannibal Holocaust with what with that beautiful theme playing against some of the most disturbing images in cinema, and the classic Blair Witch Project trailer that traumatized a generation. Keep up the great work, Mr. P. Thank you. Uh, Nick Moola, they don't make trailers like they used to. To these uh, days, they spoil everything. That includes my get-off-the-lawn mini rant. I always like the trailers for David Fitcher's movies, especially Seven. This trailer always makes me want to revisit the classic, even if I already saw it a million times. And the Mouth of Madness trailers is so crazy, it's cool. I wanted to see that movie, even if I was going to lose my marbles. Let me say this before I forget... There's old trailers that are like five minutes long that literally go through the whole movie. So, um, the real-life Daco style of Wes Craven's *Nightmare* trailer puzzled me and made me want to see it at the same time. Sadly, back in the then in a small town like mine, horror movies rarely made it to theaters. At aged eleven, I probably wouldn't have been able allowed to see it anyway. Still, they broadcast the original again later that year, and so my love for horror began. Lastly, the sole decent current trailer has got to be *Candyman* 2021. And then we have Chris Truex, Psycho Gorman, John Dies at the End, Alien, Corey Ernst, Alfred Hitchcock, Touring the Hotel House for Psycho. Also got to give a shout out to the great trailer for uh, Frenzy uh, for Alfred Hitchcock. Travis, Travis Eddings, My Soul to Take, Art Enger, Three on a Meat Hook, Last House on the Left, Blood Spattered Bride, Slash I Just Remember Mama. That'd be a double feature then. I think I remember that. Cover Me Blood Red, Martin. And Lee Jones says, I'd put Devil's Wedding Night in that same category. Uh, Mark Partridge, Romero's Martin. Second place is Argento Suspiria. LaQuinti Lee, uh, Phantasm, I Know What You Did Last Summer, The Hills of Ice 2, and Feast. Uh, Joachim Johansson, Texas Chainsaw 2. Ivy Blooney, Shining, It Scared Me A Lot When I Was A Child, Really Disturbing. Uh, Bex Botwin, Tear Train, Last House on the Left, Original and Remake, and Silent Night, Deadly Night. Jordan Bibby, Jason X for Some Reason, Uh, Madeline Deering. Uh, Jason Goes to Hell, The Final Friday, It's Alive, Suspiria, Fred Alderman, anything narrated by Brother Theodore, Tony Araro, love the trailers narrated by Percy Rodriguez, uh, Michael Church, Magic, terrified me as a child, um, Bra Braulio Romero, Orgy of the Living Dead, uh, Cody Lee Harden the trailer for Divine Emmanuel, Love Camp featured on the DVD of Teenage Hitchhikers that can't be fi- that I can't find anywhere online is hundred percent my favorite trailer of all time. Peter Englund, original trailers of the unreleased trailer of Exorcist, Alien, John Carpenter's. Uh, the Thing, plus the rare Ice Block teaser, and The Fly. Rob Kopinski, A Nightmare on Elm Street, is a 14-year-old kid living off of Fangoria. The TV spot sent shivers down my spine. As a result, Salt and Theater, perhaps the greatest mode of my early years. Awesome. Matthew Head, Leatherface trailer that was a bit like Excalibur. James Bickard, The Twilight People, Frankenstein's Bloody Terror, and The Mad Doctor of Blood Island. Danny Berry, oh, uh, he posts um, The Lift. <laughs> the tagline on The Lift is the best for... Take the stairs, take the st- stairs, for God's sakes, take the stairs. Uh, Brad Skies, I drink your blood, I eat your skin. Double feature. Uh, John Fisher, you are you're you will witness these this ugliness. Uh, Brad Skies, pretty much anything on Mad Ron's previews from hell. Kevin Keegan, um, I, I don't know if John Fisher had a trailer link there or not. I don't have it. I must have missed it. Kevin Keegan, The Legend of Boggy Creek, Just Before Dawn, Basket Case... Mark Humphreys, Alien, builds up tension without giving too much away by showing you flashes of images as the music builds Ryan Matthew Ziegler, Maximum Overdrive I'm going to scare the hell out of you, love Stephen King all crazy in that, Eric Whiting Alien is Shining, Brett Lawrence Chud, Night of the Creeps, Warning Sign, Matthew Cantor The Blob, Remake, and Popcorn and then Glenn D. Worthington the German Army of Darkness trailer is awesome then we have some comments Jerry Jerry L sucks about the hostile DVD double pack from Mill Creek, I actually have the same set but I have the I have yet to watch it. Still on the DVD. However, I'm curious if everybody sets like that. Kentuckinator watch Attic's Exposition Expeditions on Tubi last night. Really interesting flick. Thanks for reviewing this one. I wish the lead actor was a bit more charismatic, but he didn't det- uh, detract from the overall experience. I agree. Incarnate. Larry, happy to see you stocking up on Japanese stuff lately. I've been doing the same. Cruel Restaurant is wild. You'll never look at dumplings the same way again. Ever. Haha. Uh-huh. I don't look at dumplings the same way after Untold Story. Eric Townsley watched My Science Project with my adult son. He loved it. I saw it. When I was in high school, it was a fun time. You of the great work. Thank you. Isomisio, Kronos is a damn good film. Did not enjoy Plagtown. Love the hostile films more so first and second. And wish they'd get a better release someday. Yowza, you hit the motherlode with the Asian box. I've seen slash heard of Black House, Cruel Restaurant, Curry, Death Bell, and Elevator. The other ones are a complete mystery. Haha. Then we have some old answers, which I basically asked your favorite taglines for horror movies. I'm gonna read some of them. So, the ones that uh, posted too late: uh, Madeline Deering. The only thing more terrifying than the last twelve minutes of the film are the first ninety two. Suspiria. How much flesh could a wood chipper wood chipper chip if a wood chipper could chip flesh? Wood chipper massacre. Rebecca Reinhardt. Happy birthday to me. Um, six of the most bizarre murders you will ever see. And art editor. Why is the cheese moving? Which is hilarious from the nest. I think there's another page here. Oh, we got a couple more. Um, he basically tells a story, too, about it a little bit. It's been one of the favorite taglines ever since I first saw it in the newspaper ad. Got to see the movie theatrically. People were saying, why is the cheese moving repeatedly in the theater lobby and laughing hysterically? Uh, hilarious tagline. Daryl um, Marsh, pretty, sa- pretty Sally Mae died a very unnatural death, but the worst has yet to happen to her yet. Deranged. Great movie. Christopher Bickle, pieces. It's exactly what you think it is. Carly uh, Allison, in every town there's a house, in every neighborhood there's a ho- one house that adults whisper about the ch- uh, about and children cross the street to avoid. People on their stairs. Travis Tiro, for the last House on the Left remake, I really dug theirs. If someone hurt someone you love, how far would you go to hurt them back? Jim Dude, I warned you not to go out tonight. Maniac, Shane Glass, Strays, they say cats have nine lives will one of them be yours? Oh shit. That's great. But uh, question of the week. Um, it's kind of a cop out. I didn't think of one, but I thought of it. Um, you know how me and Jeremy did hammer time. We did, um, I did the VHS voyage. He did, um, the blind spot. We're going to do another blind spot, but I'm curious, what would you guys be interested in us doing? Like a universal Godzilla, something like that. Uh, Italian movies, eighties films. Let us know what you would be curious to see us run down in the future. So, yeah. And I guess we're going to hop into that update. Oh, Okay, let's hop into this update. First up is Embrace of the Vampire, Alyssa Milano. I don't think I've seen this. This looks more like, a, you know, those like 90s, sex, late 80s, early 90s sex-like things, softcore. I've never seen this one. I know it was remade. Um, just one that I always wanted to check out. Uh, heavy Metal, well, I didn't think I had this on Blu-ray. I couldn't believe it. Great movie, awesome. Tons of voice talent in here. This is just an amazing movie. Check out Heavy Metal if you haven't seen it. Don't need to tell you anything about that one. Um, the uh, 90s version of Island of Dr. Moreau. Um, awful movie if I remember correctly. But hey, I am very interested in checking out the unrated director's cut, I guess. And I remember the special effects being awesome. And I've wanted to rewatch it since I watched that uh, Richard Stanley doc. Then we have Bad Seed. Classic movie from the 50s. Um uh, Awesome. Amazing movie. Best Killer Kid movie, probably, right? Most famous or most classy, I guess. Then we have The Haunting. Um, didn't have The Haunting on Blu ray. I don't think I've ever seen the original Haunting. That should be on a blind spot coming up. But I believe Richard Johnson's in there. Yeah, that's right. Russ Tamblin. Oh, wow. Cool. Very cool. And then we have some Scream Factories. Some of these were Target Buy 2 Get One. Rockula. Yeah, I was not going to pay full price for Rockula. Uh, he's a vampire who hasn't scored in 400 years. Tonight's the night he keeps a date with fate. Yeah, Rockula. Uh, looks fun. <laughs> looks ridiculous. I was willing to pay the 14 bucks or whatever, 13 bucks. So uh, the Nightwalker, William Castles. Going to try to grab any William Castle I can. So, yeah, not seen this one. Sure, it's pretty good. Then we have I Saw What You Did. Another William Castle one with Joan Crawford. And then we got Crucible of Whore. Love that cover with the castle. Michael Go. On the back there. Uh, we have Circus of Whores. Remember this one had a good cast. I love circus and horror films, so I always love when they go together. Yeah. Ant Town Driffing's in here. I thought, uh, frickin' Donald Pleasance. Yeah, Donald Pleasance is in there. Oh, yeah, and the lady from Brides of Dracula, which is one of the best Hammer Draculas. We have Leech Woman. Letter Universal, I believe? I don't think I've ever seen Leech Woman. But I sure hope it has a Leech Woman in it. for Forever Young, Forever Deadly. Ooh, it's gonna be one of those life stories. don't wanna age. And then we have Buried Alive from Kino. There's actually like two Buried Alive movies that came out around the same time. Um, One in 89 and one in 90 or something. I'm confused by it myself. But yeah, I don't don't know if I've seen these or not. This is one of them. And then we have Random Acts of Violence. Finally got a Blu-ray release. I really like this one. This made my top 10. I know that a lot of people don't love it, but I really do like it myself. Interesting, crazy, violent film. Check it out on Shudder. Um, I think it actually does have something to say about violence. So, And then last is a DVD of Piano Man. Beat up, but hey, it's, it's from 96. I think this made Moods Top Ten. He mentioned this one being real good. So, yeah. I'm going to definitely check this one out when I get a chance. It's got those weird little side connectors. I will get some. I need to get some case replacements. Where's a good place to buy new cases? They used to be everywhere. Now they seem really expensive. But uh, anyways, back to the video. Okay, guys. Thank you very much for watching. And as always, have a
1: good one. Hey.